Hey y'all, so the world has been crazy and I have truly been struggling with my own anxiety, with just everything that's going on in my own personal things in my personal life. So the next few episodes may seem a little bit out of order because I forgot to put the quotes in. So I'll be popping in in the beginning with just the quotes for you all. This week's quote is from Zora Neale Hurston, which is a fave of mine. If you are silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. And I just feel like that quote speaks volumes, especially with everything that's going on right now. Um, so yeah, enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Give Them Their Flowers, a podcast about praise and purpose. I vow to give people their flowers while they're still here. Um, I've been taking a couple weeks off, y'all. I've been exhausted, anxious, all of the above, just like everybody else. Um, But I'm back. And y'all will be so happy. I finally have a guest who has not known me a full year yet. So now y'all can, you know, stop side-eyeing me for bringing on people who have known me for like 15 plus years. Um, so I get to use my other deck, the stranger deck, although I don't really wouldn't consider them a stranger at this point, but for all intents and purposes, I'm gonna use the stranger deck because one, I opened the deck and it has better questions in the relationship deck. And I was like, so basically strangers are better than relationships bet. Um, so the person that I have on today is IA. IA is my homie and coworker currently, and I'm going to give them their flowers. So IA is not only like out here being a doula i is already somebody mama two people's mamas a partner and they got green hair and they be out here dragging people left to right giving you that sagittarius energy capricorn moon work ethic that your faves could never um and they just have a very like i don't know if you all ever been around someone who doesn't have to like be like loud and boisterous to get their point across but they also don't have to be extremely like passive they can kind of just say what needs to be said it's like a real mama like i don't know if you've ever been around like a real black mama before but like black moms just say things that you'd be like you right you right you be like that black mama just you know basically told me about myself without like making me cry but like she right you're right so i'm gonna go ahead and let them introduce themselves and then we're gonna jump into the questions hi i am I guess you said a lot of stuff that I am. I'm a birth and abortion doula. I'm a lactation consultant. Um, I'm the community and volunteer engagement accomplice for the Richmond Reproductive Freedom Project. Um, I'm a maker and a shaker and a breaker, break it down, whatever. Um, yeah, I'm a parent, I'm a partner, I'm a black woman out in these streets trying to survive. Listen, that's what we all trying to do at this point. <laughs> Ghetto out here. So I'm really excited about these questions because um, one, they're from a deck that I haven't had a chance to use. And shout out to the Skin Deep because a lot of people who have been listening to the podcast have actually like ventured over to their YouTube and have been watching the Skin Deep videos. And like people who are not usually very like emotive have texted me and was like, I've been crying for six hours. And I was like, it just gets that good. Like quality content. Um, so the first question that I have is, and as you all know, I literally pull the questions like right before I call and I don't pre you know, think of the questions because that wouldn't be fair. So the first question that I have is, what is something your parents taught you that you now know is wrong? Oh, um, I 
I don't know. My dad was like, he never, he had like, we had a different relationship with money. He's like a hustler. He's always like a go-getter, like no matter what, work or no work, he always like, he spent money like, okay, I'm just going to make money. Like, he's like, I can always make more money. Like, that's his thing. I can always make more money. I'm like, maybe you can't always, you know, make more money. (laughs) As an adult, like, I was like, wait a minute, that's not my experience living so maybe I didn't have as like many marketable skills as he did but like I was like no you cannot always make more money and like all the stuff that he told me around money I feel like it's not applicable to my adult life um as long as I owe you you'll never go broke yes I'm still broke because I wait on that money that you owe me <laughs> like all the stuff that he said about money was maybe applicable to him in the 80s and the 90s but it is not applicable to my adult life because you know bills is bills and i'd be like where's that extra money you said that i can make whenever i wanted it <laughs> so no really and that's real because when you think about it like especially like in, in the black community like money is such a strange and like money is so pungent in our community like it's very like whether it's a good thing or a bad thing whether it's being taught to be used in a way that's going to actually benefit you or not it's such a pungent thing and like a lot of the rhetoric and like the the way people talk about money our parents our grandparents even those in our own like age group like the way people talk about money sometimes will make you think like am i doing something wrong because the way you talking about money is crazy like i remember i had a family member tell me once that like no matter what nobody tells you, everybody is already one paycheck away from living paycheck to paycheck. And I was like, this sounds horrible. Like, I hate like, it why here. Want, why would you want that? Like, no. Why is that the truth? We wanted to be something different. Yeah, and I think that, like, my um, one of my best friends, um, she always calls herself frugal. She's also a Sagittarius. Um, <laughs> and she comes from a poor background, but she has really worked hard to, like, kind of, like, dismantle like the mindset of being impulsive with buying and not saving so she was able to buy her first house and stuff like that but for her like she's very serious about trying to teach financial literacy to other black people because she was just like if we go by what our parents and stuff are telling us we will literally be struggling all of our lives and I struggle immensely with money for several reasons but I know one of the reasons is from family because the way you see them spending money and they seem so comfortable but when you become an adult you be like so you've been putting $20 on a light bill for six years? <laughs> what? Right on your water bill, several hundred dollars, and you still don't want to pay on last, so you got to go down to the... No, listen. No, we're not living like that. Mm-mm. Oh, y'all, yes. Are you going to the check in the cash place? And, like, no, you can't... That cycle, we can't keep... No. Taking out payday loans and stuff, and, like, I understand that it's a cycle that is not technically our fault because capitalism is racism. Yeah. But I also do think that it's we we have to find a way to survive that will not put us in even more like financial harm because just the like, I've never gone to like a check cashing place or like the payday loan thing because when I would do like the research on it I'd be like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you're gonna give me my paycheck up front but when I get paid you're gonna basically take my paycheck and some I'm not going to have the answer. It's a cycle. Yeah, I mean, like, I've done it, but it was just like, after that first time, I was like, this is the ghetto. I cannot keep this up because, <laughs> look, it's a trap. It's a straight up trap. But even it the really idea is. of, like, working, like, you have to be working super hard or suffering in order to, like, make ends meet. Like, I do not want to subscribe to that. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to mm-hmm. give my body up for capitalism. 
Mm-mm, it's craziness. Um, so one thing that my parent taught me, because my father passed away when I was relatively young. Um, so one thing that my mom taught me when she had custody of me, and it wasn't something that she explicitly explicitly said to me, but it's something that I watched when I was in her custody, is that you have to lie to everyone. Like my mother was is and was a habitual liar hypochondriac to the point where at one point I believe that I had to exaggerate or lie I couldn't tell the truth out of fear of what would happen because I wasn't sure what would happen if the truth was actually being told so she had made it seem through her own actions as if like in order to like survive you have to lie and I'm like this doesn't seem accurate so like as I got older I started to realize that like lying caused me more distress than anything else mm-hmm. like not being truthful about how I feel or what I had or what I didn't have or what I needed and what I didn't need made it more difficult for me to get my needs met and for me to like be able to actually like do the things that I needed to do so I had to like break out of that mindset of like I have to be like scheming and scamming people in order to get ahead and it's like and mm, not really girl you can just you know say I need this and if they got it they do if they don't they don't but for me watching her as a child I just assumed that was just what you had to do because that's what she did to everyone friends family me so I was like well I mean she lied to family members she lied to me so I guess that's normal so that's one thing that my parent like taught me that I was like girl you got the game messed up and I can see how it ruined her relationships with family and just her her representation within like amongst people that cared about her like a lot of people just can't trust her or trust anything that she says simply because of how much she lied so that's oh no it's breaking up oh no can you hear me hello oh no i'm back yeah i'm back Okay, so y'all gonna hate this podcast episode because I am not about to edit this. Uh, I don't know. Ernest might help me edit it. I don't know, but it is what it is. I don't know if it's my headphones that are that's causing this issue or what. But we're gonna continue on the next. I was gonna. Oh, I was gonna add on to that. That's cool. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say from like I, what you're saying is coming from a parenting perspective. For me, it's like I don't have I don't want a lot of my kids, right? So it, like people say like kids don't like can't handle stuff or you can't talk about certain stuff or even like little stuff like we don't we don't do Santa Claus over here. I mean we do do the two fairy, but Santa Claus like no boo boo. We work hard and to get these presents, and so we know ain't no random white dude coming in our house and give you what you wish for. I mean, but even basic stuff, like having like honest conversations with kids is super important because they're going to grow up, you know? You don't want them to have to unlearn the shit that you had to unlearn. Can I cuss in your podcast? Yes. Okay. I said shit. I mean, but you, you know, I already want, said it. <laughs> I don't want to, I was just like, should I continue to cuss? But no, I don't want them to have to unlearn stuff that I learned later on in life. Like to go ahead and give them that jump start of like you already know what's up. And you don't have to, like, so I feel that, that whole telling the truth. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to understand that, like, from your perspective as a parent, because as a child of a parent who lied so much so that it really caused a lot of trauma, I think that it is important for parents to be comfortable with having 
you know, conversations with their children, but also making sure that like the things that they do in front of their children um, can become lessons for them. Like a lot of parents don't realize that like, oh no, gosh darn it. Hold on. I don't know what's going on. Let me pause it. Okay. And we're back. Um, So yeah, like I was saying, like you never really know um, how you impact your children by just your actions and how those can be things that you teach them um, until the child becomes an adult and has to go to therapy to unlearn stuff or they don't go to therapy and they just in turn become terrible people. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> like we, we know, we know people, we've been those people where it's just like we, we, absorb what our parents teach us and what we what we learned what we saw and then we think that it's right and then you go out yeah. and you start exactly other people um and it gets crazy but i have a question that ties into that at the end so i'm gonna stop so i'll answer the question too early okay so second question is describe an experience that made you realize you were on the wrong path oh mm. have i been on the wrong path so um what had happened was um i was at work at walmart at the register and um it's like i was bringing people out to the express line i remember and it was some two two like two women at the end of my line right and they was talking about before but you know there's people in your line and i'm checking them out boop 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 and they get to and i get to the two women who was like kicking up in the back and they was like excuse me and i was like yes are you such and such and i was like and i am <laughs> like name badge hello you know that's me they was like are you talking to this person and i was like i mean we cool but and if i was and then it was like, well, we together. And I was like, okay. Like, it was this whole Walmart cash register situation <laughs> over a person that I was I was not dating. But we, we had been cool for a very long time. But also, that was my ego being like, you feel I'm finna come punk me mm-hmm. no matter what, what the situation is. And so, it was a debacle. We didn't, like, come to fisticuffs or anything like that. But it definitely was a debacle at work and so then when I went to check him I was like you need to check your people coming up to my job talking to me and stuff like that he completely disappeared when I say he completely disappeared he ghosted for like two years after like (laughs) after the first week of me blowing him up like I realized like okay actually you are doing too much in this situation Mm -hmm. like fuck niggas get money you know what I'm saying like I was too heavily invested I was like too willing to be like confrontational mm-hmm. and not even specifically about him per se but just in general was just like like that's not, it wasn't out of character because I, I did not mind getting confrontational but also I didn't like the way it felt afterwards especially when I, I didn't get the um results that I wanted afterwards and then I felt like I had put all this emotional labor out there and I had put all this like energy out there towards this whoever this woman was who came up to me at my job and like for nothing right because the person had ghosted I never saw this woman again like all this stuff 
was out all this energy that I had expended and it went nowhere. Like I was just basically in a vacuum yelling to myself after that. And so I was like, I'll never again. Like I started reading the towel. I was like, I need to find something to do with my emotions, my anger. Because I was just like, that's just, I didn't want to be like, I didn't think I was on the wrong path, but it definitely made, like, that was a situation that made me, like, check myself and my anger and my willingness to, like, just participate in tomfoolery mm-hmm. and drama. Mm-hmm. I can, I definitely know how that feels when you, it's not necessarily, like, a wrong path situation, but it's, like, in hindsight, I wish I would have had the tools to have handled that situation differently because in the end, I was the only person who was left, like you said, in a vacuum yelling at myself. And I've had situations like that where I have argued with people. Like, I used to argue with people all the time on Twitter back in the day. Like, I mean, going off people, turn your location, blah, 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 blah. And then I would feel like guilt and shame, not necessarily because I got into an argument, but because like a lot of things that I was saying, I was basically just talking to myself because no matter how much I would yell at this person about what you're saying is stupid, what you're saying is wrong, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to give me immediate results of them being like enlightened on the situation or the topic. So I definitely know how that feels. And I think that a lot of times, especially as with our ego and stuff, especially when it comes to like shitty men, like we get put into these weird positions where like, it's survival of the fitters of like who's going to fight hardest for this person and it's just like it's really not necessary because if I have to like knock bitches down like we Scott Pilgrim (laughs) then I'm not really interested in being in a relationship like I don't want to have to fight all your exes or all all the people just to get to you that's crazy no no thank you Scott Pilgrim yeah like I like that it just to me it's just like it now like as I get older I understand that like arguing with other people about somebody that's literally I can't even remember what they had on when I met them like foolishness um let me see when I was on the wrong path I mean I had a lot of moments um <laughs> listen I think I realized when I I think when I finished my master's degree and it was like that period between then I had started working back in like agencies and stuff like that, doing like digital marketing and stuff. I realized that I did not belong in a corporate type of environment. Like I need to be back in the classroom um, because of the job I had. And I really wanted, cause I really wanted to work at an agency. Like my goal was to work for like Vox Media and work with all the like well-meaning whites and the cool blacks with the shaved hair on the side and the bright color. Like I want to be able to wear all my tattoos freely and stuff like that. So like, I was like, Oh, I want to work in the agency. And then I started working for an agency and it was literally one of probably like top three worst work experiences. It was my first time having like an actual like white male boss. And he was extremely like a closeted racist and he loved DJ Khaled and would ask me about like the beef between Nicki Minaj and Cardi B. He said I was the culture of the office. I was the (laughs) black woman he had ever hired. So like being at that job, I'm very like, that's the first time I I had a really bad like flare and I got sick and Ernest was like, girl, you probably gonna have to quit. And I was like, but what are people gonna think of me? Like, I just finished my degree. I'm supposed to have like this job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he was just like, I mean, 
I don't really think anybody's gonna be thinking anything of you. This is a projection. Like this is what you think of you. And I think mm-hmm. that's when I kind of like realized that like a lot of the pressure that I put on myself and that I have put on myself that has led me down paths that I probably should have avoided is simply because I wanted something for myself that I imagine that other people wanted from me like yeah. no one has ever said to me like you should be working this type of job or you should be getting this degree because I'm the first in my family to get a degree so no one's telling me to do these yeah. things but because I have this idea in my head that like in order to be I had this idea in my head like in order to be loved and respected I had to have certain things attached to me or certain things that I do that I would put myself into positions that I knew were not good for me like intuition mm-hmm. ancestors were like red flag red flag red flag but I would do it anyway because I just wanted to be amplified and I wanted to be affirmed and admired in a way that made me feel whole and solid when the reality was I was just feeling empty and like you said in a vacuum because like the reality of it was that the only person that was suffering was me and the only person that was paying that much attention to what I was doing is me yeah um so like I think that that was like one of the moments where it was just kind of like you are going to have to start really doing things like you go to the beat of your own drum you've always been eclectic but like you're really gonna have to believe that about yourself within yourself because other people see it yeah but like if you don't believe it within yourself which my therapist gets with me all the time like yeah people give you compliments all the time you exude you know you know your Beyonce energy but you be really feeling like Pharaoh on the inside like it's just like talk about it like I always feel like I'm not doing enough like people are saying you do so much I be like I mean, have you seen me laying on the couch for a couple of hours? Like, do you think I'm going to be doing No, I'm like, I'm not doing enough. And then, especially since COVID hit, like, also talked to my therapist, they, like, brought that out. And I was like, oh, really? That's that's what's happening? Because, like, being not visibly chronically ill, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, like, so, like, people don't know that I have illness or I have a chronic illness or, like, it doesn't affect me normally day to day, but I'm super high risk and so is my kids. And it's like, I want to be out in these streets. Like, this is the moment I waited for. I want to be caretaking. I want to be building these mutual aid systems. Like, I want to be doing all those things. But mm-hmm. I'm afraid of shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, and also, like, okay, I'm in my head about, like, oh, actually, not about that life for real. Like, she talked that good talk, and there was a time. And I'm, like, I've been really, really down on myself about that. But also, like, got to do what you got to do to survive. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? To keep those systems going or whatever we built. So, like, I definitely feel you about those projections because it's hard. And it's really hard because, like, when you really think about it, like, as Black folk, we do so much. And, like, we, even when just existing, just literally existing is a form of resistance, is a form of protest. Like, just being alive and waking up every day and showing up is a form. But for people who feel... And I don't, and like, I talk to my therapist about this and I write about it and talk to other friends and stuff about it. But like, I don't know if it's, I always have this idea, like the gifted and talented kids. That's what I call like the people who took like honors classes or was really involved in school. Like we have a really bad, like perfectionism complex to the point where Mm -hmm. we don't see from the outside that like we're doing too much. So like, I always like, I can have the spirit of doing too much and please rein me back in. Um, and I've been trying to work very hard this year specifically with just not doing too much. Like when I be sitting on the sofa, like sometimes I'll be like, 
obsessively checking my email and I'm like why am I doing this like why I said that today was my day off why am I checking my email but I'm trying to get into the habit of like even if I do check my email I don't respond or even if if I want to watch a movie trying to turn my phone off so I can actually like enjoy the movie because a lot of times your mind will just be racing um yeah I try to set the boundary where I only check my email on my iPad like I won't do it on my phone because one I'm gonna forget to reply and then two like that gives me time to like sit there and actually do the work versus like sitting there like you said check your email all day trying to reply seeing what's going on see I think I thought I need to take my email off of my phone Mm. completely and just because I don't have notifications that's what makes it even crazier I have no notifications (laughs) coming to my phone I'm just constantly checking my email like I'm surprised I haven't checked this since I've been on on the call recording but like I'm constantly like just picking up my phone and checking it and like you said, like you start to think in your head, like what are people saying about me? Because I talk all this talk, but they don't see me out there. But I do think that everything that's going on right now has really shown, like shine a light on like how there are different ways to assist with the movement or assist with things without having to physically be present. Um, and I feel like COVID, unfortunately, fortunately, makes that a real reality because, uh, because we're not really allowed to right. out in these streets anyway. So I think that like now we see more people who may be chronically ill or disabled or just have family members or children or just unable to leave their houses still doing the work that needs to be done. So I think the best thing is like seeing that kind of makes it feel like a little bit easier. It's still hard though. Um, it, I like for me it's been easier because people who normally who I felt like who wasn't like active before Mm-hmm. are super active now and I'm like okay go ahead use that energy I'll take this energy this time to rest and then when you get tired I may be able to come back you know what I'm saying exactly. like, so that's my play your part is one of my mantras and so like right now that's not my part it's somebody else's part I'm letting them do that and like stepping back and exactly. getting it done I agree so <clears throat> our last question is how does your relationship with your family affect your relationship with others Oh, um, and you have two families now. So you have yeah. your family, like your, your your extended family, and then you have your family that you created. I think so. Like you said, two families. So it goes both ways. Like my my family unit, my partner, and my two kids. The way that affects how I interact with people, it definitely has changed how much energy I put out there to other folks or like you know what I'm saying like or like I can't do too much because I'm also going to have to come home with parent and partner and so like that's allowed me to set clearer boundaries than I have in the past because if I was like I didn't have nowhere to go I would just be you know out here doing everything um and then as my like more extended family I come from like a women from a family of women like it's just a shit ton of women and very few men uh, on my maternal side and that's who I'm closest with and so all of us are very like opinionated all of us have like strong opinions whether they're different or not and like the way we communicate is very much so um this is how I feel this is what needs to get done like we're very big communicators as well and so it but it makes me actually the opposite when I'm in groups with other people because I don't want to take up so much space 
And then, like, I don't want to be, like, I know, like, how we talk to each other because all of us talk that same way. We have to be loud and we, you know what I'm saying, very boisterous or whatever. And so when I'm in spaces with non-family folks or people who are not, like, in that, in that family group, then I'm usually more, like, well, let me see what the vibe is. Well, let me see, like, what people's opinions are before I get, like, hey, hey, hey. Or, and also, I don't want to be, like, taking up that space where it's, like, I'm sucking out all the air. So I'm very, like, self-conscious about that in other groups versus, like, in my family group, we all, you know, loud and <laughs> talking over each other to get our point across. And then when I'm around other people, it's like, let me sit back, let me watch. I'll put in some, you know, here and there, but it's the opposite. Yeah, I think, uh, just to piggyback on what you just said, I used to struggle a lot with, like, trying to figure out, like, how not to take up too much space. And I learned, like, when I was um, online for my sororities, I realized, I this is when I blatantly noticed it, because I was, because at first I, like, I know, I knew that, like, when I'm in a room, I have a presence. I know that usually when I'm talking, somebody listening, even if I'm talking bullshit, somebody listening. Mm -hmm. um, but I never noticed that, like, people will shape their opinions to match the opinion of whoever seems like the authoritative one in the room. Mm -hmm. And that made me uncomfortable. So I know like a lot of decisions that we would make like as a line or whatever, I would be like, oh, maybe we should do this. And then it'd be like, everybody like, yeah, we should yeah. do this. And then I was like, ooh. So like after <laughs> towards the end of the process, I kind of just like became not more reserved, but kind of just let other people, even if their suggestions I felt may have been like inappropriate, stupid or wrong, I just let them get them out first. Um, or like if we had like meetings about certain things, I wouldn't say anything. I would just let everyone else talk. Mm -hmm. um, it was very hard because, like, a lot of times you're just like, this is not, like, this could be done better or easier. Honestly, like, smarter, like, we are really just, whoo, doing the most for the, for the yeah. um, But I do think that, like, that that idea of, like, being uncomfortable with taking up space or sucking the air out of the room is real. Um, I always be telling people, like, take up all the space you want to take, but there's always, like, an asterisk there because, like, you want to take up space, but you also want to leave space you want to leave space for other people so they can also feel comfortable with like feeling as empowered as you do when you're in a room because I think that a lot of people do struggle with feeling empowered to speak and to advocate and like when you are an advocate for other people um it's easy to like you know be jaw jacking but when you have to like take the advocate for yourself it can become a little bit different because yeah like, you know this is a conflict I want to make sure the other person is able to express how they feel or the people in the room may have different opinions than me and I don't want my opinion to like navigate how the conversation goes. Mm -hmm. so, I know for me, if I'm in a, in a room and someone's talking about something and they're the authoritative like voice in the room, I don't feel inclined to like follow what they're saying. Same. Unless I literally do agree with it. But usually if I don't agree with it, I'm just like, oh, that's their opinion. But this is or my like, opinion. Or we could, you know, yeah. about this as well. <laughs> yeah, but like I'm, you're done with it. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm also aware that's not everybody's like truth. Like I know that like a lot of people struggle with feeling empowered in their speech and just being able to just like say what needs to be said um, without feeling swayed by others' opinions, um, which can be difficult. Um, so for me, so my relationship with my family, you know, I feel like the years of therapy that I've been in and my own little self-awareness journey and all stuff like that, my relationship with my relationship that I've had with my family 
has always been very, um, it's been filled with a lot of like resentment, tension, um, isolation, and just like not always a lot of togetherness. And I think that for me, that's always made me a very, um, I'm approachable, but very like explicit with like my boundaries or explicit with like, like what I'm not trying to do or what I'm trying to do when it comes to like relationships, whether it's like friends or romantic or work or whatever. Like I'm very like, there's, it's always black and white with me. There's no like gray area in relationships for me. And I feel like a lot of times people operate in gray areas and I don't do that because for me, it's always been very clear to me, like who's for me, who's against me. There's no in between. So I feel right. like for me, as I've gotten older and more self-aware, I've learned how to understand that everybody's relationships are different. And I also realized that I have a, I have had a very like irrational idea what loyalty looks like because mm -hmm. I feel like I've been betrayed. So for me, I expect for my friends to have like this high level of loyalty. Right. The reality is like people are going to disappoint you. But that doesn't necessarily always mean that they are shitty friends or terrible people. Right. It might mean they made a mistake and that it's okay, you can work through this and move past it. So I think for me, like I'm constantly, I'm constantly learning how to um, pour into my relationships, but also let my guard down enough to allow people to pour into me. And I've had very long-term relationships. Like I don't really make like, I have a lot of, like, new, like, associates and stuff like that, but I don't really make, like, a, not a, a lot of new, like, close friends. Yeah. Most of my friends I've known for either five years or longer. Um, I still have friends that I've known since I was, like, nine or ten. Um, so, like, for me, it's kind of like I build my family around my friends, so I'm very, like, meticulous when it comes to right. around myself by, but shout out to mental health issues, but my bipolar disorder when not treated and medicated used to have me befriending people when I was manic that were not good for me. So making impulsive decisions with friendships and relationships um, and partners that were not good for me. But in my head, I was just like, oh, everything. Right. Yeah. I was always say, I trust people until I can't trust them. And I was like, girl, that is the dumbest shit. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, literally, I, like, I trust people until they give me a reason not to trust them. And I was like, now I'm just like, no, baby. Like, <laughs> listen to your gut. Like, if the, if the energy is off, if you, if you notice something about someone and you don't like it, make sure you pay attention to that. Yeah. I, I used to have a, my homegirl with my roommate, she's always, in our freshman year, she's always saying, you always be trying to find a good in people. And I used to be like, you know what? I do. Which is crazy because I don't really be liking people. So what am I finding a good for? It's crazy. Bad excuses for behavior, yeah. Yeah, so now I'm, now I'm at a point now where it's just like, I'm okay with being like, I don't like this, or this makes me uncomfortable, or I'm, and I'm also okay with saying like, this is what I expect of our friendship, and this is what I can actually give to the friendship, and I'm okay with, if a person's just like, well, I can't be that for you. Um, it don't feel good, but I would rather have those type of conversations than to feel like I did with my family where it was just kind of like no one ever talked about what was going on. No one ever right. talked about, you know, me having to move from house to house to house or who's going to have, who's going to take me now, who got custody of me now. This is like, you know, those type of things that were just like whispers because they didn't want to, like you said earlier, they don't want to tell the kids what's going on. Right. I literally need to know what's going on. <laughs> because they like to. 
Exactly. Like, I remember waking up one day, coming downstairs to all my shit packed. I'm like, what? Where am I going? Like, right. you going to your own house. No reason. That's, like, it's crazy. Right. It's not even saying, like, it has to be, like, I think of a lot of people, too, is like, as an adult, they feel like they, ha- they are in control or whatever, or they have to be in control, and, like, kids don't have nothing to say, but it's not even about having something to say, it's, like, also feeling empowered to even, like, know what's going on with their own life, you know what I'm saying, like, that is really a big thing, first feeling like you don't have no control over anything, like, that's just a wild feeling to have. Exactly, and I think it's, I think it's important for children, especially children who come from families or backgrounds where they may not have had a parent present for their other family members if those family members are involved to make sure that they feel like they have some type of say so of where they're Mm -hmm. going who they're living with like because you are basically uprooting a child and putting them in a system even if they may not be in the system they're still being put through a system within their family of being bounced around without any type of say so of like I don't feel comfortable at this person's house or this person abused me or this these people are mean to me or yeah. I, you know these this is too far from you know x y and z or I can't do my activity if you move here but you yeah. know people just pack you up to wherever they want to because like you said it's a control thing and I feel like they feel like well I'm doing what's best for the child but like what's best for the child is for the child to understand yeah why, definitely the why and I think for me I struggle so much I have so much anger inside of me towards my family that it really made me feel especially my mom which I still battle with to this day is this mindset of like if my mom can treat me like this then why should I give a fuck about how you treat me or like if my mom abandoned me I know you gonna leave me so there's no reason for me to become serious like right hers is the first probably like healthy relationship I've had because usually I would never date anybody because my head is like my mama left me you gonna leave me too so why would I actually like try to build with you that's crazy yeah I thought that was crazy or like I didn't believe in love I was like love is a faith-based thing just like religion so like if my mom supposedly loves me but she did x y and z and my family loves me and x y and z happens then how you know why would you love me like like all these like irrational thoughts just based off of those moments in my childhood yeah. with my family and i think that a lot of people don't realize that those things can directly impact your relationships at in the future yep play with other kids it don't matter like it could it could make you resent like I've had moments where I resented my friends who come from households where they have their parents there I've had instances where I would be bitter and angry on holidays I would hate going to like you know like church on Mother's Day seeing people like celebrating their mothers or their father like I would have so much anger because of just the lack of communication in my family that like it made it almost impossible for me to completely love people or just even just engage with people on a compassionate level and extend them grace because of that um so i was just like you know what girl therapy um uh, <laughs> very helpful but it's, it's it's been interesting to see people parenting now um especially because like we're in an age now where a lot of people are parents or already you know are having children and just hearing about them saying you know i want to go to therapy before i have kids or when I have kids, I want to put them in therapy. I want to make sure that I'm not the reason they got to go to therapy when they get older. That's, that's it. And I'm just like, this is beautiful because a lot of people did not have that that opportunity to have healthy relationships with their parents. Right. Same. Up. Yeah. Crazy out here in these streets. 
Well, those are our questions. I thought they were pretty good. I think they were good questions too. Yes. So we're going to go ahead and give our flowers. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give my flowers and then I is going to give their flowers and then we're going to close out. Um, so <clears throat> this week, I want to give my flowers to my social media manager and my sister friend, Tatiana. Um, the reason why I want to give Tatiana their flowers is because Tatiana is a very, like, the best way to describe her is like a cool breeze. So, like, she has a calmness about her where, like, she's extremely understanding, but she's also very, very good at explicitly making it clear of, like, what her needs are and what her boundaries are. Um, and she's very receptive. And I think, like, over the years, our friendship and just, like, our sisterhood that we've created within ourselves, with each other, has become amazing. And just, like, kind of watching her, like, grow from, because I met her when she was, like, 1920-ish. Um, and just, like, seeing her, like, grow up, like, kind of in front of me has been amazing because she has, like, you know, been through, like, a serious relationship and a breakup and, you know, dealing with body image and hating her job and trying to figure out what she wants to do and finding, like, what her what her calling is and where she like fits in and it's just amazing to see that because um her and i did an episode together and we were talking about how like a lot of times older women and younger women they may have really good relationships but sometimes it can feel like the older woman's not trying to put their own game all the way and they're like well i still want you to be able to <laughs> hardship and it's like, i don't want that for her like i don't right. want to tell her to be like girl let me tell you this if you can't pay that full bill every month then maybe you should consider maybe lowering the service because let me tell you don't you don't you start overdrafting and never end girl i'm trying to tell you it's a it's a it's a dangerous cycle so um i just want to give her flowers for like just being being receptive of other people's um guidance and wisdom but also just being like everything i wish i would have been when i was her age um like just very just intuitive and self-aware and compassionate and like a lot of self-reflection like you know really doing the work at such a young age and really like because at 25 i think i had just started therapy um and i think she started her therapy maybe a couple years ago when she was like 22 23 when i was 25 i had just really started like going to therapy consistently and i'm just thinking to myself like if i would have started going to therapy in my early 20s like it would have been over for you bitches okay do you hear me it would have been do you over. hear me do you hear me 25 lord it would have been, been over for you bitches and i'm just thinking i'm still like, drinking tequila at 25 i was drinking tequila two days ago but you know we just gonna, <laughs> we just gonna push through and I definitely felt it. I felt it to the tip of my toe. But I just want to give her her flowers because I'm just really proud of her. And I'm really excited for her to start doing her social media management and getting people that are interested in like paying her to do content creation for them and stuff. And it's exciting because I know a lot of times when people graduate from college, they get a job and they feel like they, they have to stay there because the baby boomers be like, I worked at the telephone company. Mm -hmm. But you hated it. You hated it there. You hated it. Just like you hated that marriage and jobs, all the other stuff. Exactly. So I'm just really happy for her. And I'm also happy that like she handles like like relationships and like dealing with these like 
trash has men so much better than like me and my friends did at her age. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? What is in the water? What is in the water? They got more information, child. They have like, they can just share the experiences. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, she was like, yeah, because you know, he was gaslighting me. I said, well, well how'd you know what that meant? <laughs> I didn't even have it. You said, you sitting there in the shower thinking back to that nigga gaslighting me back in 2017. I knew, I knew. Back in 2010, I should have known he was scamming me the whole time. The whole time, scamming. Oh Lord, but yes, that's why I'm giving my flowers to. Um, her Instagram is Tatiana B. Well for y'all who want to follow her. I'm gonna give my um flowers also to a person who is a young person compared to me. My cousin Jasmine, um, they graduated from Hampton a little while ago and. They really are also have their head on straight, like their head on their shoulders good. They like living their life, they understand and they doing therapy too. I'm like, girl, like I just like I'm just so proud of you and the person that you are wanting to be and going to and like also not subscribing to what people want for them for themselves this early on and like taking like mental health seriously and they started their own little Instagram, not little, it's legit Instagram page, you know, young people I like to say little, but it's real, I'm not gonna, not gonna break it down, uh, call for Golden Girls on IG, and it's a very, like, inspirational page for, um, brown girls to, like, see themselves and feel good, and I really appreciate that, and, like, I think they're awesome, I, I don't tell them enough how good a job they are at growing up. I know, it's just so amazing, I love it, I love to see it, like, I think about how shitty I was, and I just look <laughs> at it like, I'm serious, like, and that's just the truth, like, I was just, I don't think I, I, I mean, I had shitty moments, but I think I was more reckless than anything, like, I just, I mean, I don't know, people don't talk about your 20s being, like, wild out in these streets, people like, your 20s, like, oh, you're an adult, you start figuring out, no, you don't figure that shit out, and they are figuring it out in their 20s, and I salute them. Exactly, I didn't start, I didn't really <laughs> fully understand who I was until, I'll be 30 in October, I didn't start really understanding, like, girl, this is what it is, probably till, like, the end of last year, early January, like, to be, like, keeping a buck like I, I I've always known who I was but I didn't really know like what I was my sovereignty is something that I've been like really working on like my own personal power so like to see young folk young women young black women in their early and mid-20s having sovereignty own it. yes it's I mean being so educated and so apt and so quick and, and quick with it I just I could not I was not in a place to even begin to do that because I was so wrapped up in a whole bunch of foolishness. And that's okay. Like, I'm not, you know, regretting those things. I'm just really faced. I think it's awesome, honestly. And it it feels, for me, it feels good to talk about how shitty I was. And then the next sentence be like, but y'all really out here doing it. (laughs) And Um, she fly while she doing it too. And I really appreciate just like her beautifulness. That I just get to revel in. The looks, the looks that these young folk be getting off be taking me. Like, how do y'all know how to? How? I was wearing Melissa's. You know, I had my jelly Melissa's popping. My beauty stole <laughs> Like, my little cousin, when she just turned 17, she had, like, made her own lace for it. And I was just like, girl, I, just, <laughs> I 
had a side ponytail with a ribbon in it. Like, where do you find the time? Where, where do y'all come? Where y'all come from? But I love it. I love to see it. I'm not a hater at all. I love, I love it. it. I'm one of them older black women um, who thoroughly enjoy seeing the youths, as they call them, doing yeah. this thing. Like, I will amplify them and boost them until the day I die. I will be on my deathbed saying, fuck it up, boo-boo. Like, because it's amazing to see, and I'm happy to see it, and I hope it continues through the generations and the generations and the generations. Like, um, also, I just want to let everybody know before I close out, IA's baby sent me a video on Instagram asking if I could teach them how to be a professor. <laughs> I was in a puddle. Do you hear me? I was in a puddle. I don't think... It's something about, like, the voices of little kids that really does something to me, but, like, they have their little glasses. I could not... <laughs> Well, they are, they are Black Girl Magic Manifestation Master. They manifest some of that stuff. It don't even make no sense. So they just believe already. Like she believes that she deserves it. It's hers. Yes. So she just be manifesting stuff. So I was like, you just said this yesterday. Look at here. Look, look at what we got. Exactly. I love it. So uh, as always, if you all have any questions, make sure you email me at gtpfpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and as always, make sure you channel your inner Beyonce. Yes. Thank you, Kayla. You're welcome.